Happy Valentine's Day. All right. You're like us. Who cares? Who cares about Valentine's Day and who cares about the Super Bowl? I'm just curious. Who does care? Let me see your hand. Who does care? Who cares about the commercials? You better not care about the halftime entertainment. Let me just tell you about that. In fact, we're going to be talking about that in just a moment. And uh, we're honored to be with you today. And of course, on this Valentine's week and this Valentine's Day, Lori said, hey, I'm open. I don't care. You know what? You just decide and uh, we'll always do something later. Maybe we usually go the day after or the week after. But I went ahead and I made it a reservation for a restaurant downtown in Austin. And, and I said, hey, I went ahead at 6.30 Monday night. Uh, we'll go to this restaurant. I think it was Three Forks or whatever was open. And uh, what one was it? Was it yeah, a roaring fork, one of the forks. And uh, I don't care as long as it's got an item like a fork or a spoon in it. And uh, I said, hey, we're, we're going to go to the roaring fork, 6.30. She goes, ah, cancel that. She just said, whatever you want, I'm good with it. How many guys know you can't win for, I mean, it just doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. That's okay. So we will, we will sell you a 6.30 appointment at the Roaring Fork. If you can't get in, Mike, we'll go ahead and take care of that. A couple of uh, people we want to recognize. First of all, we've got some, uh, Alan and his wife, an assistant from Soul Church in UK. Come on, give it up. Stand up, Alan. You guys stand up right there. God bless you guys. Good to have you all. And uh, Pastor John Norman, of course, you guys know, and they're a part of our friendship and our circle of friends and relationship of churches. And if you're ever there in the Norwich area of England, just outside of London, you need to go visit them. And of course, we also have a whole entourage from Red Deer, Alberta, Canada. Stand up, Ryan. Ryan and his posse. Come on, stand up. Everybody stand up over there from Red Deer. Alberta. Red Deer, where there are no red deer. How many, how many have ever been to Red Deer? Just north of Calgary, about one hour in between Calgary and Edmonton. And we got a fight going on over there. Anyway, uh, <laughs> the, the area of Red Deer, that is a halfway point. It's basically a Canadian Bucky's. It just sits in the <laughs> middle of nowhere. And I'm just telling you, they don't see pavement for at least eight months out of the year. They just came down just to see what it looks like without snow. Uh, but it's, it's great to have them. And, of course, a couple other friends I met that are here today with our, our buddy and one of our good friends and member of our church, Rick Pino, and his family are here today. And uh, anyway, all that to say, it's good to be with you guys. And I want to just say thank you for your continued generosity. We're able to do what we do around the world, in Italy, in Mozambique. We just added our second campus in Naples. Our school, our campuses in Mozambique are really doing well. And of course, we're just continuing to buy whatever we can property and looking for schools and other opportunities for our plants that we have coming up in the next year to a year and a half. And uh, that's because of your generosity. And I just want to say thank you for your continued giving. Can we just give everybody a hand for being faithful to God? When you do what I do, we, we see people get saved, and then it takes about, oh, maybe a year to a year and a half before their wallet gets saved. How many know the last part of your life to get saved is your wallet, your checkbook? Your brain gets saved, your spirit gets saved, you're all in for Jesus, you want to go to heaven, but your wallet is a rebellious wallet. And uh, the good news is we have every dollar that we need to do what God has called us to do. 
The bad news is it's in your butt and you need to let God, you need to let God have his way. I mean your wallet, it's in your wallet. Um, but thank you for your generosity and uh, we're grateful, we're grateful for our, each and every one of you. And before we go any further, we want to welcome our campuses. We want to welcome those that are joining online from one, around the country. And of course, we've got 13 correctional facilities that are a part of the Celebration family. Italy, Mozambique, come on Celebration Church, good to see you guys. Our series, we're calling it RSVP, and that just is, frankly, just standing for our relationships. Lori and I covered that last week. Today, I'm going to do the talk, the sex talk on Super Bowl Sunday. I mean, really, most churches, everybody wears uniforms and talks about some analogy to God and football. We go there. We just actually go to the sex talk. And... Um, which is the Super Bowl for many of you. And so we're going to be talking about, <laughs> talking about that. Next week we'll talk about values in relationships and just the values of God, and then we'll talk about purity, RSVP. I know that we in this world today, we are more and more inclined to being less formal. And, of course, with that less formal culture and society, I think that bleeds over into every area of life. And when it comes to sex, we're less formal than we should be. It's not just sex. In fact, let me just say it like this. There's probably nothing more impactful to your future than your sex life and how you view sex. Nothing will have a greater impact on your future than how you relate to the understanding of sex from God's word and from the word of God. He gives us instruction of how to handle this important part of our life. This is your time now to get off this airplane if this is not the flight you want to take today. So buckle up, put your seat belts on, trade tables in an upright position, and uh, turn to the person next to you and say, it may get bumpy up in here today. <laughs> now let me just give you one ground rule. We do not do anything, nor do we get any more explicitive than what the Bible would say. How many believe we need to stay in with what the Bible says about it? Some people get off, and honestly, we hear pastors and friends, man, they're like, we're doing a series on called F-words and, and all this kind of like, ah, it's a little too much. And so around here, we want to make everything I do believe to be God-honoring and to be within the, within the context of Scripture. And, uh, and so today, I pray that you will walk away with something that will impact you forever, and not just you, but maybe the generations to come if the Lord tarries. So Father, speak to us. Speak to us, Father, your word. We thank you that you're the God of mercy. You're the God of grace. You're the God, God, that we just sang about, who because of the blood of Jesus has washed us and has cleansed us. And Lord, no matter what this might bring up, no matter what history, no matter what background people have in this room, those that are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. Lord, we just want to grow and we want to be what you've called us to be. And Lord, I pray if there's anyone in this room that might even be in a situation that they know is not of you, it is not right, it is not godly, Lord, I thank you that you're the God who speaks at the right time, even messages like this, not for our destruction, but for our salvation. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I had the talk with my mother while my father was out of town. How many had parents like this, that when it came to the talk, they either went mush, hush, or blush, right? And I just remember, it was my 10th grade year, my father was coaching for the Green Bay Packers, he was away, 
and I had just come home after a football game on a Friday night to go change and to shower and then to go meet my friends at the end of the lake. How many know you're from the South when you go to the end of the lake? And so after you go to Sonic, then we'd go to the end of the lake. And as I now I'm leaving the house, I literally have my hand on the doorknob of the door to leave and to get into my little 1980 Toyota Celica GT. I hear out of the darkness the words of my mother, Joseph, she's in her bed, lights are off, Joseph, she's from Natchez, Mississippi, I said, yes, ma'am. She said, you know where baby's coming from? <laughs> says, God is my witness. This is, this is the talk. I said, what? She said, do you know where babies come from? I said, that's an interesting question. But knowing my parents who were born in 1926 and 1930, this is the talk. I, this is it. I just know what they're talking about. I said, yes, ma'am. She says, well, you don't want one. <laughs> and I don't either. Mom, that was it. Didn't say another word out of the darkness. She fell asleep. That's how, right now, some of you are like, okay, what next? That's it. I went to the lake. And when that girl tried to come after me, I said, I don't want no baby. Because my mama put within me a fear that she is not going to help me. <laughs> the reality is, is that some of us have never had the talk. And some of us have never had biblically explained to us what God has to say about the gift of sex. It is a gift. And it is great if you have God in it. It is great only if you do it according to God's terms and conditions. How many have ever had to click the box to agree to the terms and the conditions? If Google doesn't own you, Apple will own you. And when you as a military man or woman, let me ask, how many are former military or present military? Let me see your hand. Come on, let's thank God for all of our veterans and all of our servicemen. When your mom and your dad kissed you and you got on that bus or you got on that airplane and you got off that bus or you got off that airplane and you stepped into the world of whatever camp or whatever university that you were going to as it relates to my brother. My brother came home from high school from his senior year football practice and my dad said, guess what you're going to be doing with the rest of your life? He goes, what's that? He goes, I've signed you up to go to the Naval Academy. Literally, my brother had no idea. At 16 years old, he went to the Naval Academy, turned 17 at the Academy in July of 1972. And many of you remember that day when you got off that bus or you arrived at that camp or at that base. And from that moment on, let me ask you a question. Who owned you? Who had you? Did you get off that bus or off that plane and step onto that base or get in front of that sergeant or whoever was the commanding officer in your life? Did you say, now, I, let me just tell you how I like my hair. What happened to your hair? Zzz. Did you say, you know what, I don't like that belt. I want, I want, is there a different color to this outfit? There was no arranging according to what you wanted to wear or how you wanted to look when it came to your military service. 
Because guess what? You didn't own yourself. From that moment on, you didn't belong to yourself. In fact, they looked at you, whoever that drill sergeant was or that commanding officer in your life, and they looked at you and they went, we own you. You now belong to me and the United States of America. If you're saved, do you understand something? If you're saved, you came off and out of your old life into his new kingdom, his new life for you. And from that moment on, you didn't own yourself. You don't have the right to say, this is what I want to wear. This is how I want to look. And when it comes to sex, you don't get to have your own terms and conditions. But we in our world today, and a lot of it has to do with what we're seeing in our culture, in our society. It's amazing how we all feel like, and I'm talking in and out of the church, we feel like we own what we want and what we want to believe when it concerns sex. Nothing has been more deceiving to humanity than sex life. In fact, it is not just the most important aspect, I think, of your future. We'll see that in just a moment. Because the Bible says when you join yourself to another person, the Bible says you become what? One spirit with them. There's a transference. There's a participation. There is an interaction. There's a, there's a linking together. Unlike any other aspect of life, unlike any other connection, whether that be alcohol or some other issue, the reality is you become one spirit with another person. And that's why we'll see in just a moment how Paul would talk about your body was not made but for the Lord. But even as it relates to the gift of sex, that was made to be in the confines or in the context of what? Of covenant relationship. And anything outside of covenant, anything outside of marriage, anything of sex outside of the holy matrimony, the marriage bed, the Bible calls it fornication. He calls it adultery. Pastor Joe, this is Super Bowl Sunday. Why did I come today? This is supposed to be a happy day. We're supposed to be in our jerseys. And I think that what God ultimately is trying to even speak to you today, and I don't believe it's by accident, is that God does have a super life for you. But he also knows that if we don't understand not just the gift of sex, but we've got to understand with instruction how this is to be enjoyed, how this is to be understood. But we all have within us, we all have this desire to do what's right in our own eyes. And nothing, as it relates to the sex topic, nothing, nothing says to people, this is who I am. So now we're allowing that to become your identity. Well, guess what? You leave your identity. See, if you're going to be a Christ follower, what did Jesus say? If any man follow me, must what? Leave. See, to follow Christ, to be a true Christian, means you've left something. You leave. It's a command. You leave your life. You leave your identity. You leave your perspective. You leave and you drop what you feel like you're to be. And we have a society that says you need to be true to yourself. And that is your identity. And maybe your identity is for a man or for a woman 
or for someone of the same sex. The reality is God commands us all to what? To leave. To let go. Because he belongs in us. We belong in him. And from this moment on, I don't have the right to play or to do what I want to do. And this is where I want to just begin to even from Mark chapter 7. Jesus calls a crowd together. And he began to say to them, guys, listen to me. How many know everything goes well when we listen to him? Mark chapter 7, verse 14, he calls the crowd together. Now, he had just finished speaking to the Pharisees and the scribes. And their issue was, Lord, I'm not, and we are not seeing you wash your hands. And they're dealing with the outward. And Jesus said, you know, I want to revisit my dissertation on the difference between the outside and the inside. So he goes, guys, let's go back and let's talk about something. So he calls the crowd and he goes, guys, listen to me. Hear me. The contrast is don't listen to your heart. See, the Bible says the heart is what? It's deceived. Nothing will deceive you like sex. Nothing will deceive you like that temptation. Nothing will deceive you. Nothing will bring you into a world in which you realize, oh, wow. That was not what I expected. It's awful quiet in this Presbyterian church here today. <laughs> and you realize you're in a whole nother world, a whole nother meta universe, if you will. And he says, guys, listen to me, because I'm trying to keep you away from deception. And I want you to understand something. There is nothing outside the man which can defile him if it goes into him. But the things which proceed out of the man are what defiles the man. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear this. When he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples said, you know, we just don't quite get what you're talking about. Can you talk to us about that parable? And he goes, you guys are as knucklehead as bricks. Are you so lacking? How many have the hardest time with the people closest to you? Let me see your hand right now. Yeah. This is his team. This is his dream team. They're like, what are you talking about? He says, do you not understand that whatever goes into the man from outside, that's not the problem. That's not the issue. Because it does not go into his heart, but into his stomach and is eliminated. Thus he was declaring the previous conversation that he had with the scribes and the Pharisees about food. But then he says, but let's talk about the real heart of man. And he was saying that which proceeds out of the man, that is what defiles the man. For from within. So now he says, I'm not concerned about the washing of the hands and the ceremonial laws. He says, I want to talk about what is in all of our hearts. And that is evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality. Envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. I'm sure the disciples were sitting there going, that's not what we want to talk about right now. It's Super Bowl weekend. And Jesus has to go there because what he wants us to all understand is that we've got something to leave and what we've got to understand is our heart. Our heart is deceived. Our heart is the most deceptive part of our life. But we, Pastor Joe, we love each other. And because we love each other, it's beautiful in God's eyes. Are you married? No, but God knows our heart. 
We don't have anyone else. Today you don't, bonehead. But we have committed ourselves. We're living together. What's mine is mine, or mine is hers and hers is mine. And what mine is half of hers and all that kind of stuff. We're good. And God knows. And Jesus goes, no, you're deceived. That's not true. Why aren't you married? As Paul would go on and say, well, if you burn and you've got, of course, the desire for what God did give us, and that is sex that I believe is a gift from God. It's intended to be enjoyed. It's a pleasure. It's not, it's not evil. It's not wrong. It's, in fact, it is, I believe, one of those 1 Timothy chapter 6 gifts where he goes, he gives us all things richly to enjoy. How many would agree with me? It's to be enjoyed. But watch, the next word there in 1 Timothy chapter 6 after he says instruct those as it relates to not just riches, but he gives us all things and supplies us all things to enjoy. How many believe we need some enjoyment in this world? Because what God releases in our hormones and what God releases in our physical body, I don't have time and nor do I know how to explain it all, but there are very smart people in this room and doctors and attorneys. There's all sorts of people... <laughs> <laughs> Somebody like, oh, really? What God does through the gift of sex and how that releases the hormones that we all need to survive. And of course, the truth is, is that man, as men, men, you are, you're the microwave, the woman is the crockpot. We could go through that whole thing. <laughs> we, could, we could talk about that whole, like, hey, did you hear China's on their way? China, they're coming to kill us all. The men are like, but you know what? The kids are not home. <laughs> Did you hear China is going to blow us up with another balloon? And the guys are like, who cares? Let's have sex. In fact, this is the best time to do it. Let's go out. Let's go out in a blaze of glory. Did you hear what Pastor Joe said? Balloon or no balloon? Nuclear war or no? See, guys think that way. How many think that way? Let me see your hand. How many? More attacks? More sex? Okay, I, I got to get back to what the scriptures have to tell us about. Whereas women, it's like, no. China's coming to attack us. It's over. We're not going to have any relationship until we take down all the balloons and the world is perfect and the kids are not home and the house and the kitchen is clean. <laughs> and my car's washed and you put gas in it like you've been promising. <laughs> then. <laughs> and only then. How many know we got two different backgrounds going on here? It takes guys about seven seconds to get prepared. <laughs> I mean, that's a medical term. That is not <laughs> preacher term. I'm getting you laughing because I'm about to hit you with a little, <laughs> little COVID shot, <laughs> a little booster. But Jesus is saying to these guys, the issue is not on the outside, though we watch and we have to guard our eyes and our ears and our thoughts. But he says the real issue is what's inside of you. The real issue is what your heart wants. And if your heart's looking for it, you're going to find it. If your heart 
is on this, what Jesus is talking about, that the heart set on evil thoughts and fornication and, and all the various things, sensuality. Let me just say something. If you want an affair, before you leave this building, you can find one. Because if there's a heart looking for that, that heart will look for that. And I'm going to just tell you, that's how it works. And what we need to do is to make sure, Lord, would you cleanse my heart? Yeah, you're going to have the opportunity to watch what will probably be something that you shouldn't be watching this coming Super Bowl in a couple of hours. In fact, if you just read what Rihanna sings about, I'm just be honest with you, it's going to be hard for you to go, yeah, go on, Rihanna. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, praise the Lord. No. Or Sam Smith, how many were part of that Grammy performance this past week? Now, I agree that those things and that kind of activity, the Bible says it, don't speak about even those things that are done in private. But what's in your heart? What's in your heart? That, ultimately, that's what you and I, because we live in a society, we live in a culture. That's not any different than it was in the day of Paul and when he wrote to the church at Corinth. And I'll get there to just a moment, but let me give you some, just some Old Testament revelation as to what God has to say. He says in Proverbs chapter 5, he says, son, listen to me. Maybe the same, same thought Jesus said, listen to me. He says in Proverbs 5, listen to me. And do not depart from the words of my mouth. For what reason? To keep your way from an adulterous relationship or sex outside of marriage. It's interesting. My son, I'm talking to you so that you will depart from the word or from this life. So that you will not go near to the door of her house or his house. I want to do what I can so that you're not giving your vigor to other people and your years to the cruel one. In other words, when you go into sex outside of marriage, when you are beginning to participate in a sexual relationship or an encounter that you don't think anybody will know about, your strength secretly begins to leave you. It's what happened to Samson. The Bible says he woke up one day not realizing the Spirit of God had left him. He thought, I will do what I always do and I'll come back with a vengeance, not knowing that his spiritual energy had been sucked out of him with his head in the lap of Delilah. He goes, I don't want that vigor. I don't want your gift of strength and energy and vitality and passion and vision to go to other people. And then he goes, and your years to a cruel one. In other words, you're going to be put into a house of bondage. In other words, you're, you're not going to be in control of your life. Maybe your habit will be in control of your life. That pornography will be in control of your life. And strangers will be filled with your strength, and your hard-earned goods will go to the house of an alien. This is a country music song. He's living in my house, driving my truck, <laughs> drinking my beer. That's what this song and this Proverbs is about right here. That dude's got my dog. How many of you ever heard that country song? He's raising my kids. All because of what? Oftentimes. This is what he's saying. Went outside the covenant. Went outside for that fling. Went outside for that moment that doesn't just last for a moment. And then he says, and then you groan at your final end. When your flesh and your body are eventually consumed. And then you say, oh, how I hated God's word. Oh, how I hated instruction. Oh, how I hated his laws, his ways, his terms, his conditions. When his terms and his conditions was not trying to take your fun away, it was trying to take your pain away. 
His terms and conditions are not to confine you. His terms and conditions are for the release of you. It's so that you can enjoy what God has given us in the gift of sex. He says, my heart spurned reproof. I didn't listen to the voice of Pastor Joe on that Super Bowl Sunday between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Eagles, nor incline my ear to instructors. And then he goes, verse 14. What's interesting, watch this. I was almost in utter ruin in the midst of the assembly and the congregation. Can I just tell you something? It can happen in the middle of church. I have pastor friends who have shared their story, their testimony of while preaching, they're checking out the women in the congregation. I'm thankful that I can't see anything. <laughs> I've had six detached retina surgeries. So don't you say, well, Pastor Joe, God's judging you for that. No, I'm not. He's just helping me. I know of people, I, I know of people that have in our team and on our staff over the years, while they're leading worship or while they're doing ministry, they're, they're looking for people to meet. Or maybe you come to church and you're very, very aware of, of those ladies outside of your wife or outside of, of your husband. The reality is, is that uh, it can happen. He goes, even in the middle of the assembly. In the midst of the congregation. You know what that's telling us? This happens to everybody. It's everybody's battle. Which brings us all to the bottom. It brings us all to the foot of the cross. How many know we all need God's grace? And it's something that we don't get above. It's not something that you can just all of a sudden have a supernatural. I can't pray for you and for a supernatural mist of God to hit you. And that will remove all fornication and adultery and sensuality out of your life. It doesn't happen that way. We'll talk about it in just a moment. But I was years ago in the middle, literally in the middle of a church. I was preaching at a church. In fact, it was our church in Louisiana. And as I was saying hello to people and ministering to people, it was, I think it was my birthday that, that day. And, and so she, this lady comes up to me, an older lady, older than me at that time. I was probably in my 20s. And she, she said, Pastor Joe, I got a gift for you. And Lori's over there and team is around and, and I said, oh, that's awesome. She pulls a gift bag, and she goes, open it up. And in the middle of the assembly, in the middle of the congregation, I pull out this tie. Oh, I like ties. At that time, I was wearing ties. I was dressed like I was 90 years old back in the day. <laughs> and I pull out the tie, and it's, a, it's from the Tabasco company, you know, the Tabasco hot sauce company, and they sell clothing and shirts, and it was a Tabasco tie. And, oh, that's pretty. It had a Tabasco bottle. She goes, I got you this because you're so hot. Because you are on fire. Rick, there was a side of me that went, Lori needs to hear this right now. <laughs> I mean, there's, I'll be honest with you. In that Mark 7, there's something in me going, yeah, girl. I'm, just glad, I'm glad somebody recognizes this around here. Now, she was 85 years old. She thinks anything that's not in the grave is hot. I'll just be honest with you. And she never missed a meal. That's all I'm going to tell you. She was, she was hot for food. And so all that to say, I said, Lori, I want you to come, and I want you to hear what she gave me, and I want you to see. And in fact, you tell my wife. You know, and of course, I was like, that's good. That's good. 
But then I'll be honest, I've had other places and I've had other times where there wasn't this very obvious disconnect in the natural or in the physical. And there was opportunities. There have been people, and Lori, we've seen it over the years where even in the middle of the ministry, in the middle of doing what God has called us to do, in the middle of a happy marriage, in the midst of a happy marriage, in the middle, in the midst of what is the greatest season of your life, all of a sudden, where did that come from? How did this happen? I was at a La Madeleine's in Baton Rouge. We were living in Donaldsonville, pastoring in Donaldsonville, 45 minutes away. I had gone to Baton Rouge to visit somebody in the hospital. And this girl at La Madeleine's is in front of me. We're getting whatever we're ordering at the counter. And she turns and goes, I know you. Who, who are you? I said, uh, Joe Chan, what, 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 blah, and start talking. And she's just kind of catfishing. I didn't know that term back in the day. <laughs> yeah. And then she began to talk about things of God and church. And yeah, I think I heard you preach at this church and healing place. And Well, the phone rings about two weeks later. And I hear Lori on the other end. What's your name? Remember that? Where did you say you met my husband? And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> and how many know, Lori wanted to know, you gave her your phone number? And now, I will be honest. I thought this was going to be in the middle of the congregation, another opportunity to lead somebody to Jesus Christ of Nazareth from Bethlehem. I really, I wasn't, there was no interaction. I'm just telling you. The instruction or the ways of God, this talk has to go a little bit further than to say, you don't want a baby. Ultimately, you don't, you don't want to break the heart of God. And this is what he was saying. Listen to me. Guys, you got to realize this is in your heart. This is in our world. It's in our world because it's in our hearts. It's in our culture because it's in our core. Let's go to another Proverbs chapter 6. The commandment is a lamp and the teaching is a light. So he's talking about the word of God. He's talking about the Bible right here. He said, this is a lamp. It's a light. Or for those on the cell phone, this is the light on the back of your cell phone. And then he goes, and reproofs for discipline are the way of life. For what reason? To keep you away from evil woman. But not just the evil woman. Evil man. How many know that song that I'm singing right now? All my Sun City people that. I'm teasing. He says, my commandment, my lamp, my light is so that you are not in the wrong relationship. Outside of marriage. For the smooth tongue of the adulteress or the adulterer. Do not desire her or his beauty in your heart. Why? That's where the deception is. Nor let her or him capture you with their eyelids or their Instagram or their ticker talkers and all sorts of other things. <laughs> that didn't sound right. TikTok. <laughs> For on the account of a harlot, one is reduced to what? A piece of bread. A crusty piece of bread. A dry piece of bread. You're just reduced to a loaf of nothing, is what he's saying there. And an adulteress, or someone in adultery, fornication, sensuality, that lives by this, is on the hunt. For who? Precious life. Life is precious. But I'm honest to tell you, I think that precious life is a relationship to God's people. 
Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Or can a man walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? So is the one who goes into his neighbor's wife. Whoever touches her doesn't get away with it. Pastor Joe, thank you for the Super Bowl message. Proverbs chapter 6. The one who commits adultery, he goes on, the same chapter. The one who commits adultery, man or a woman, whoever it is, outside of marriage, and it might be just for your boyfriend or your girlfriend, is lacking sense. Because what he's doing is he would destroy himself, does it? Wounds and disgrace he's going to find. And his reproach will not be blotted out because it's only for covenant. It's only within the confines of covenant. Covenant means to cut. It's blood. To cut It's to shed blood, which means sex has to be sacrificial. The only true sacrifice that God honors ultimately as it relates to sex is in the covenant of marriage. Because when somebody says, Pastor Joe, the Lord knows our heart, we're really married in the spirit. We'll get married. <laughs> well, that will mean some financial changes. Oh, you mean what you're saying is sacrifice? Well, yes, we don't want to sacrifice our employment or sacrifice our insurance policies. Well, God says that's what marriage is. It's commitment. It's a laying down of your life. It's a letting go. It's someone owning you and you owning them. The Bible talks about it in 1 Corinthians 7. It's not life on your terms. We have had a brand of Christianity that just says you can have God and your sex too or your cake too. You can just have it all. And the God that we serve in today's generation, he's good with it. He's okay with it. And I really do believe that much of what we're seeing in our country today is a result of our own sins. It's what God promises us. If you eat poison, you will feel sick. We can't go to the refrigerator and drink milk that has been out of date for weeks and then you go, God, what are you doing to me? You hate me. And God says, you didn't read the terms on the bottom of the jug, bonehead. It said it's out of date in June. And you're now mad at God. He told you the terms. He told you the conditions. He told you. My covenant is never out of date. Let's go to the last one because there's the Netflix and chill one I want to give you. I'm going to show you a movie. I was at the window of my house and I looked and I watched this scene portray outside of my home. Look at this, Proverbs chapter 7, verse 6. I watched it. I watched this young, naive person, man, woman, girl, boy, and discerned among the youth. In other words, there's something of the next generation here. And I saw this young man and guess what? Oh, he had loser stamped on his head. Or a man lacking. L stands for lacking. <laughs> lacking sense. Lacking discernment. Lacking wisdom. La lacking the word of God. Lacking someone talking to him about this. Do you want a child, Joseph? No, mom. And the Bible says lacking. He'd been then passed through the street near the corner. And guess what? There she was. And he took his way towards her house in the twilight, in the evening, in the middle of the night, in the darkness, thinking no one will see. And there she was, ready to meet him. Or there he was, ready to meet her. And dressed in a certain provocative way, boisterous, rebellious. She doesn't like to stay around the house. Whether it's the house of God or the home 
She doesn't want to stay at the house. She's in the streets, now in the squares, at the end of the lake, at the Sonic, lurking by every corner, and then she grabs him or he grabs her, kisses and says, listen, God's good with this. I went to church this past Sunday. I offered peace offerings. In other words, God loves us. I've been in church. You in church? Yeah, I go to church. Go to celebration? Yeah, I go to celebration. It's good. We gave our vows. We paid our tithes. Therefore, guess what? God's with us. And I am wanting your presence earnestly, and I found you. And guess what? I have spread my couch with coverings, with colored linens of Egypt. I have sprinkled my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Listen, it's starting to turn into a cupcake. That's what that looks like to me. <laughs> How many loaves and sprinkles on your cupcake? That's what I'm reading right there. That sounds like a mess. It's too much in that bed. That's a whole message just for itself right there. Some of y'all got whipped cream, all sorts of stuff. But listen, come, let us drink. Come, let us drink our fill of love until the morning, which is fine in marriage. Let us delight. Let us delight ourselves with caresses. Because guess what? We don't have anybody to be accountable to. My husband is not at home. We have no one to give any account to. We're free. Free falling. It's another reference to a song. He's gone on a journey. Let me tell you what I believe this husband is here. This is God. He doesn't see. He doesn't know. He's taken, in fact, he's gone with a big bag of money. I love that thought right there. How many would love to travel with a big bag of money? Not, that's never happened to us. We've got a big bag of underwear and socks. But he'll be back at full moon. In other words, I think I know when he'll come back. And with many persuasions, he or she entices with flattering lips. Here comes the deception. And suddenly, as an axe or as an ox to the slaughter, or as one in fetters to the discipline of a fool. In other words, now the real story, the picture, the the charade, the, the mask is off. It's really an ox going to the slaughter. See, you gotta see what the old Puritans used to say about Satan. He is a great fisherman, but he doesn't fish with hooks. He fishes with bait. You don't see the hook. And every one of us have our own bait. And just as a fish would go to that bait, just as a fish would go to that worm or that cricket or whatever you used to fish with back in the day, a hot dog. And then all of a sudden that fish realizes, I'm not eating a hot dog, I'm eating a hook. And I can't get out of it. I can't leave. I'm stuck. And the very thing or the very one that you thought was in love with you through seduction now says, and if you think you're getting out of this without paying a price, next thing you know, you got problems. You got a movie, and it's not Netflix and chill. There is no refrigerator. There's an oven at the end of this Netflix. It doesn't get chilly. It gets hot up in here, up in here, up in here. <laughs> it is time to go when I'm starting to get silly. Now watch this, until an arrow pierces through the liver. Talk to doctors. Talk to doctors that will tell you about what sexual diseases will do and how it affects the liver. I had the privilege of getting to spend some time with Walter Payton, the great running back from the Chicago Bears. You can read about it. 
He died of liver disease and what he would repent of because a friend of mine was there on his death day. He repented of the thousands of partners that he had and the doctors said this is as a result of sexual activity and the sexual sins have entered into your liver. You're You're dying of a liver disease from your sexual activity. See, God's word tells us this. It's going to get into your body. It's going to get into your brain. It begins to take over every area of your life. And we are deceived thinking that it's just going to stay contained. We think that it's not going to come. We think that it's not going to come out. And then it says, look at the last one. And as a bird hastens to the snare, so he does not know that it will cost him his life. Listen to me. Pay attention. Don't let your heart... Verse 25 of the same proverb, don't let your heart turn, for there are a lot of victims, and numerous are her slain. Her house is the way to Sheol, or his house is the way to Sheol. That's hell. He's talking about to the grave, descending to the chambers of death. Many, numerous, broad is the way that leads to death. Narrow is the way that leads to life. Pastor Joe, this is weird. This is confining This is why I'm not a Christian. This is why I don't go to church. I want it my way. Well, you can. Everyone can do what they want to do. But not everybody, in fact, no one is going to escape the repercussions of what you're going to do. It's not going to just happen. You're not, listen, this husband that you think, or this maker, this God who loves you, you think he's just gone with a bunch of money somewhere around the world and he'll never come back? No, you're going to go to him one day. And this is where we need to come back to, and I'm going to land around this Lamentations real quick. Lamentations chapter 1, the Bible says Jerusalem, Jerusalem is in this situation. She, she has sinned, and he's speaking of Jerusalem like a woman. Of course, the bride of Christ, it's a woman. And I'm not saying that in gender relationship. I'm just saying that it's a relationship to a husband and his wife, the church being the bride to the husband, being the Lord. And Jerusalem, like a bride, you and I, married to the Lord, we, we've sinned in this area and we came and became unclean. There was once a people that honored us, but now all who honored now despise her because they saw her nakedness. And even when she herself groans and turns away, watch this verse 9, her uncleanness was in her skirts. And she, and these are the words I really want you to get more than anything else, she did not consider her future. Therefore she fell astonishingly And the one that she was thinking would be the comforter, there's no one there to comfort. Oh, Lord, my affliction, for the enemy has magnified himself. I want you to see this. She did not consider the future. And this is what the Bible tells. I wish there was the three keys, three principles, three ways. doesn't happen that way. In fact, he would write, Paul would write to the church at Corinth. And he would write to the church at Corinth and he would say, guys, I want to talk to you about sexual immorality. He goes, I want to write to you because in Corinth at that time was this pervasive mindset about sex, that sex was okay outside of marriage, that everyone's doing it, it's your body, it's your right, it's your privilege, who is anyone to tell you what to do? But then Paul writes to this mindset. He goes, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom? Do not be deceived. Don't fall into this trap, neither fornicator or idolater or adulterer or effeminate or homosexual, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. He's an equal opportunity employer right here. Now, he's not talking about a Christian falling 
at times to these actions. That's not what he's talking about. That's not who he's writing to. How many know we've all fallen? When you've fallen short of the glory of God, doesn't mean you got lost. It doesn't mean you're going to hell because you, you had a night that was off. You had, a, you had a series of bad decisions. But he's talking to a group of people that have, they have a predisposition. In other words, there has been no repentance. There's been no turning. There's been no change. They don't care. That's who he's speaking to. And then verse 11, because notice, such were some of you. You were once those people. But you were what? You were washed. You were sanctified. And you were justified. Wash speaks of your past. Sanctification speaks of your present. And your justification speaks of your future. How many are thankful we're safe in God's arms? We're safe. But you're not safe to sin. You're not safe to say, well, I'm justified, I'm sanctified, and I'm washed. So therefore, I can do what I want. No, God says through Paul, you were, not you are. You were. All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. I will not be master. Now, Paul, watch this. All of a sudden, he's going from this relationship to sex and some other sensual situations and other issues like from drinking and covetousness. And then he goes, hey, let's just talk about going to the buffet bar. He says, food is for the stomach and the stomach is for food, but God will do away with both of them. Okay, Paul, like what? Yet the body is not for immorality. Now he goes back to immorality. Now he goes back to sexual sin, but for the Lord and the Lord is for the body. Now God has not only raised the Lord, but will also raise up through his power you. Do not and do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? So then, shall I take away the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? May it never be. Because why? You don't know that when you join yourself to a prostitute or when you join yourself to a man or woman outside of marriage, you become one spirit. You become one flesh. For he said the two shall become one flesh. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. Therefore, guys, here's the answer. Flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Sexual sin is worse than other sins. It has longer, in fact, it has futuristic ramifications. It's just the truth. Pastor Joe said, I understand when people say that. I understand to a point. But let me tell you something. There's a different level. And do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own. You got off that bus. You got out of that bus of self. And you said, Jesus, be my king. You were bought. You belong to God. Therefore, glorify God how? Read that with me. Therefore, glorify God in your body. You see, what the Corinthians were trying to say is that I separate my body from my spirit. My spirit loves God, but my body, bad boy, bad boy. Bad girl, bad girl, what you going to do? What you going to do when they what? Come from you. See, that's really not me. The real me loves God. The real me serves God. But my body, yeah, it's just, listen. As it's been said, the biggest sex organ is your brain. It's the most important part of your life. You can't separate it. You can't departmentalize it. You can't compartmentalize it. It's all of you. It's you. 
And that's where the Corinthians were wrong. That's where some of that was teaching even within the church that Paul had to deal with. And there were some other ideas I don't have time to explain, but one of them was the culture was so bad, society was bad. One of the thoughts was, why is marriage important? It's all going to end anyway. China's coming with a balloon. That was kind of what they thought. They thought the Lord was going to come. They just thought the society was over. So forget marriage. Forget covenant. That was part of it. So Paul is addressing when he's writing to these people. The other thing is, guys, you, you are responsible. You're, you're not or promised or you're, you're not given permission to do whatever you want to do with your body. You're, you're going to have to be held accountable. And so let me just give you what I want to give you just as it relates to going away present. The Bible says marriage is to be held in honor among all, and the marriage bed is to be undefiled. In other words, the marriage, the covenant, Relationship between man and woman in holy matrimony. Man and woman. The Bible says it's to be undefiled and held in honor among all. And that's all society. We will have no society the day we have no male and female marriage. It's over. All society hinges on this. You think we got a border problem? This is way bigger right here. The day that marriage matters not in definition for fornicators and adulterers God will judge let me just give you what you need to consider your future number one consider your future relationships who you do life with I'm going to just tell you to be honest with you how you view and how you regard what I'm talking about today you need to consider it has an effect upon your relationships divorces happen in packs We've seen it here. We've seen it around the country. We've seen it in our own ministry over the years. It's amazing how that all of a sudden there's a pocket of friends. She got a divorce, he got a divorce, she got a divorce. And then you begin to find out, ah, little swapping going on there. Little, little, little groups of people sharing one another. Hey, listen, it's in Williamson County. It's, it's in the middle of the congregation. Now, I'm not trying to stir up anything. I'm just telling you, if we think it's not in our backyard, guys, guess what? Look through the lattice. <laughs> I didn't say lettuce. Number two, you need to, when it comes to sexual sin, consider your future spouse. What's going to happen on the day you walk down that aisle? See, when Lori and I, when we got married July the 7th, 1990, I wish I could have said, Lori, I kept myself for you. I did not. She did. And there's no condemnation if you didn't. If there's no condemnation, there's no, listen, just understand. I can just tell you our testament, Lori had the talk with her mom and dad. All I heard was, I don't want a baby. She didn't talk about my wife to be and the sharing of that moment. But how many are thankful for the blood of Jesus that washes us and cleanses us? Yes, and forgives us. But I'm talking to those who want to be married or want to be married again. Consider your future spouse. Number three, consider your future children. What will you say to them? Well, Pastor Joe, I don't want to talk to them about this one day. Why? Because you don't know my background. Well, that's why we need to get the word in our hearts. And that's why we need to allow God to wash and to sanctify us and to justify. You need to understand that he's already done it. You're seated in heavenly places with him so that you can with authority say, now let me share you my testimony. Because how many know we need to set up the next generation for success? Number four, consider your future spiritual life. 
Guys, when it comes to sexual sin, just consider Israel didn't consider the impact that her testimony or the impact of her decisions. Jerusalem was supposed to be the city of God. Do you realize you're supposed to be the man and the woman of God in your neighborhood? Do you realize that? How many name the name of the Lord as your Savior? Let me see your hand. How many would say, I know my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Do you realize how important your impact is? Do you realize the impact, the testimony that you have? Let me ask you a question. What would happen to our church if between now and next Sunday you heard that Pastor Joe had an adulterous affair and he's being removed from the pulpit or from the table? How many know there'd be an impact in our city? There'd be an impact in our church. Would you agree with me? There's no shade. I'm not throwing any rocks at anybody. I'm just telling you, you got to live with that. You got to have the future in mind. What do I want people to say about me? But more importantly, what do I want people to say about my God? I want nothing but the glory of God upon my life. And not just your testimony, your spiritual life as your walk with God. I'm going to tell you something. Whenever I'm not right with God, whenever there are things in my life that I'm not dealing with and I'm not fleeing, you know, it's, it's funny how the Bible doesn't come alive to you. How many would agree with me? Hello, Lord, 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 Lord. Are you there? Are you there? Are you there? Oh, he is. He is. He is. But it's not honey. It's not sweet. You know, it's like, uh, Lord, do you have to have the talk with me? Uh, yes, we do. We have to have the talk. And then lastly, consider your future destiny. And I would have to tell you, the Bible says it. There is... The Bible says, anyone that discontinues to live in habitual sin, whoever says, I'm not going to get married, I'm going to live with her, I'm going to live with him, I'm going to have sex, I'm going to do what I want to do, the Bible tells us there is an eternity that will not be with Christ. I wish we could just do what we want to do. I wish we could just all have it and just enjoy life and enjoy your whatever life we consider this to be, and then we're all going to heaven. It doesn't work that way. The Bible says you will not inherit the kingdom of God. It just simply means you're not saved. And the Bible says, examine yourself to see if you really are saved. I know that there will probably be some of you that will say, Pastor Joe, I want to get, I need to get married. In fact, I had a couple after the last service. Pastor Joe, you know we've been living together. I said, do you think this message kind of spoke to you a little bit today? It's a Super Bowl Sunday. And if that's what it means, then this is a Super Sunday. So what do we do? The Bible says it in verse 18. What do you do? What do you do? It could be pornography. It could be on the website. It could be on your cell phone. It could be a fornication. It could be an adulterous affair. You could be having some kind of communication with somebody that you shouldn't be talking to. Maybe you took a hot tie from somebody. I still have that tie, by the way. Lori lets me wear it on Valentine's. But anyway, no, I just... Like, ugh. Flee. Come on, say the word flee. This is what Paul says. You want out? You run. Flee. We need to become fleas. We need to literally flee. You run. That's, it's Joseph. Run. But let me just say, we run from immorality because we run from the pain. We run from what we know it's going to do to us and our family and our relationships and our impact and what it can do to our eternal life. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. 
How many have ever had that piece of cake and you went, that wasn't worth it? Last night, about 10.30, I'm just, we had a shower for my daughter-in-law and her baby coming, our son and daughter-in-law. And we had all sorts of cake and carbs at the house. I'm just, I went to bed going, that wasn't worth it. Woke up at four o'clock this morning on that bike. (laughs) Trying to burn it off. Too late. I felt it just grow on the sides during the night. (laughs) Doesn't go into my calves. See, that's the way sin is. It goes to places you don't want it to go. Why doesn't it go to uh, biceps and triceps? Why has it got to go to love handles and chins? Booties and all sorts of other places. Okay, let's land this plane. Can we just bow our heads just for a moment? I want you to know God loves you. And today, maybe you were brought here, and I don't believe it's an accident to hear this word. I see you. And I gave you this time, and I gave you this word to let you know I love you. And I don't want anything to destroy you, your family, your testimony. And I'm here to tell you today that this was my will. And I've got my hand on you. Now listen to me. Number one, if you're in a situation, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But all I'm going to tell you is listen to God today. And the Bible says, come to him. Come before him. And the Bible says, a broken and contrite spirit, he will not despise He will not turn away. Just come saying, God, forgive me, cleanse me. And I hear you. Now I run, I run from, but more importantly, guys, I run to you, Jesus. I run, I'm not just fleeing from, I'm fleeing to the shelter, my protector, my provider, my God and my savior. Number two, there are people in this room, you're not saved. Honestly, you know that today you're not right with God. And if you died today, and the reality is, if you were to stop living and enter into the kingdom of heaven, the reality is, is you've done nothing with Jesus. And that's not enough to say, well, I believe in Jesus. Well, so does the devil. The Bible says you have to become one with him. You have to have given that place of your life of absolute lordship. It's literally laying down your life, realizing you were bought and he owned you. And if you're here today and you'd say, Pastor Joe, I want Christ to save me. And I do not want to be what is often called just a cultural, societal Christian. I want to be a true follower of Christ. I want my life to be in him. And I realize he died for me. He shed his blood for me to set me free from my sin. He washed me. He has sanctified me. And he's justified me forever and ever. And my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Pastor Joe, pray for me. Include me in that prayer. If that's you, just shoot up your hand right now all over this place if you'd like to be included. Thank you. Hands are going up all over this place. It could be the first time. It could be the fifth time. But today, can we just all say this out loud? Lord Jesus, because of you, I am washed from my sins. Wash me today. Cleanse me. God, I need you. I need to become a new person. I pray right now, come into my heart as I confess you as Lord. And Jesus, I believe you sanctified me. God, today, from this moment on, I'm set apart. I'm your child. I belong to you. And Lord, I'm justified. My name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Nothing shall take me from your love. 
Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, let's stand to our feet all over this place one more time. I can't wash away.